Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park better than this guys being dudes this podcast contains teams and language of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience Hello, it's the Sasquatch, and thank you very much for tuning in to episode 9, season 3 of the Busted Barstools podcast. I am joined by the Chief of Controversy, it's the coach. And in addition, episodes 6, 7 and 8 have been rather bastionless. So, welcome back <laughs> to the Doctor. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be back. Good, good to be back. Good. Is there a Doctor hey. in the house? <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes there Finally. is. One Rosenthal, Jay Wiggum. Um, a lot to get through this week, gents. Read all about it is back by popular demand. But first and foremost, let's have a quick look back at Super Saturday in the Six Nations and a somewhat strange and punctuated weekend of domestic football prior to having a look ahead to the dreaded international window. So, gents, thoughts on the Six Nations as a whole and Saturday in general? Um, <laughs> I thought that it was an excellent day of rugby. Well, sorry, an excellent kind of four to six hours Two thirds. Of, of evening rugby. <laughs> Two thirds, yeah. Um, Scotland and Italy probably went the way we expected. Was there a point in tuning in? Probably not. Um, well, depending on what way you're inclined as a, as a fan and which of the Six Nations you follow, but yeah, look, a fantastic spectacle of rugby over the weekend. Or yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. So who uh, came out on top then? Was it? So it's to be decided on Friday evening. Um, uh, Scotland have to play France as things yeah. stand. France would need to beat Scotland by 21 points and get a bonus point victory. Anything less? Well, actually, no. If they beat them by 20 points, I think they'll win on head-to-head with Wales because they obviously bet Wales okay. on Saturday yeah, night. Yeah. But yeah, big ask for France. Uh, <laughs> big ask, yet accomplishable, I suppose. It is in Murrayfield, and look, that could pose all sorts of questions for France. What France is going to turn up? Is it going to be the France that played against England? Or is it going to be the France that beat Wales on Saturday night? What an exceptional game of rugby that was. Right down to the wire. 
Pain of Infringement's four red cards in this season, Six Nations, three of which on the Welsh prop Win Davies, is it? The name escapes me. Alan Win Jones. Uh, Alan Win Jones. Alan Win Jones. No, it wasn't him. No? Um, it was the prop. Oh, the prop. I thought, it were, I thought that they were all on Alan Win. No, 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 no. It's Peter Romani, Xander Ferguson, and the French player escapes me as well. Just having them here. But uh, it's I suppose it, it's it's an interpretation of the new rules, and we're going to see this in rugby over the next year to eighteen months. To have four send offs in a in a Six Nations championship is it's unheard of, really. But uh, <coughs> yeah, well, the the thing about it is that at least uh, in in rugby now, as opposed to association football, we're seeing we get clarity. Where you know what it's for, like although say that for example the sending off from Bundiaki seemed possibly a little bit harsh, maybe we all know what it was for, and I don't think anyone can argue that, I- including Bundy. Like, whereas in football, we're not getting a lot of clarity. I think the ref referees need to be mic'd up. Maybe that's an you know a, a debate or an argument for another day. But now the only thing I would say is, while it, I understand where you come from with the clarity and you can hear the reference over like that, but the Bundyaki send off is not a send off three years ago. Neither yeah. is the Pierre Manning one. Neither is the Sander Ferguson one and the French one. Don't even get me started. That's nowhere near. The calls for an eye gouge. He has no idea where his hand is going because it's behind him. Yeah, what, it was a- what he's actually trying to do is grab the shoulder. Mm. But that's how little he can see is he's wrapped the hand around. <coughs> but also, like I, I get it. Yeah. And, yeah. But also, the, the, he had I, the momentum he had. Had he not done what he did, could have been like, for, do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no, there's nothing to stop him. He can't put his arm out, obviously, because he's already kind of out with that position. Um, so I think the momentum has him as well. And but what I like to see is that it's generally accepted. Like the the French captain asked, "Are you sure?" To the referee, yes. And know that, and that's it. Like, there's no it's buffs, maybe. Mm. There's no arguments about it. It's it's kind of done. Whereas, yeah, yeah like, and it's it's accepted, and you know, okay, it it wasn't the an out and out eye gouge, but you do know that you've touched the eye, so you're 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 there's there's a grey area, like you're putting the question to the referee now, you know, and, I, and it's something I feel that in a year's time it won't be an issue, but I think with COVID, with the disruptions we've had in the season, players haven't had an, a chance to ad- adapt. As much they would have liked in a domestic competition to the new understanding of the rule and the new interpretation of the rules, yeah. so we've now got to this stage where, like you look at the Saracens, like well actually none of the Saracens players got sent off, but they they haven't had much domestic. Rugby this year. <coughs> when did the the rule changes come in? Off the top of my head, I think it was on the back of the World Cup. Ah, uh, okay. And is this like this was obviously pre-COVID? Yeah, yeah. So are these uh, like blanket rules? This will be six nations. Any kind of rugby match, like whether blanket, it's a, blank, a, blanket like rules, in a series yeah. or a, a six nations or blanket rules. The same thing happened in the rugby championship over the summer. Mm. New Zealand played Australia, I think, three times. But in the the game that Australia won, both sides of the man sent off for the same offence. It was clearing out the rook and they made contact with the head. That's the area where I struggle to see how a player is going to effectively clear a man trying to seal off a rook. 
without making contact to the head. It's yeah. very hard. It's a very small window. Are we going to go more into like a judo throw to clear a rook now, which gets messier again? It'd be interesting to see what the the high IQ guys involved in Union come up with as a, as a ploy to av- avoid a player getting sent off, but also cleaning the rook of it when a, the opposition is trying to se- seal the ball um, or steal the ball even. So that's kind of my take take home. And, and the reffing in the France and Wales game was exceptional in the first half. The second half it got a bit messy, and I don't know if that was an interpretation of the rules or if it was Wales getting a bit more cynical, France getting a bit more looser as they chased chase as France chased home and Wales tried to to hold on to the Six Nations, obviously, which they can still win. Uh on Friday night if France don't perform yeah the second the, game I suppose oh go on sorry go on you know go on. I, I was just going to say the, the, with the refereeing it was a funny one like you know the, the question about the grounding of the ball that wasn't asked for the for the try when he, Wayne Barnes obviously in the in the in the van is saying kind of if you were asking me <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah now, does, now that's a long standing rule that actually robbed us of a Six Nations I think in 2006 um, like France I think France won the Six Nations that year we won the triple ground so I suppose the, the, the easiest way to say it is the referee on the pitch sorry the referee in the van can only ask the question that he's been asked from the referee on the pitch he can only answer it yeah he can only, can only answer yeah so that's that's yeah. why but the, I think the idea of that is it's it's to encourage the referee to make the best possible decision on the pitch and not rely on the a VAR on. situation yeah. now, which is like, let's get the lines out and let's make sure that the right decision, whereas like, the referee is indicated, I think it's a try. If there was no video video uh, ref, I would have awarded this as a try. Yeah. Tell me it can't be a try. Yeah. And that's, I think, the logic behind it. But I suppose, yeah, no, it is. And it's, that does rear its ugly head every once in a while, every couple of years. There's a decision like that. Nextly, uh, a bit of a result that probably lifted the spirits of the rugby folk in this country. A comprehensive victory over England. As touched upon, Red Carby, Bundyaki. But uh, some phenomenal performances. We might, as on the back of it, get a few more lines. What do you think, gents? I think <clears throat> we'll probably we're probably going to get CJ now. <coughs> I'd imagine. I him and I him and Holland, but CJ. Um, but I think I think I this just... puts a little bit of a. I think now he just will. Whether it might have been fifty fifty, you know, going into this game now with the announcement that Everton that obviously it was the last game for CJ. Like I think you're, I think he probably gets in on that. Where where that's fairly or unfairly, I don't know. But and the only thing I'd say to counteract that is I think if this Lions goes ahead if it doesn't like if it does go ahead I doubt there's a way it can go ahead given the current situation with the midweek games yeah and I think on a normal Lions tour players a la CJ get brought for the sole purpose not playing tests or playing these provincial games but they deserve a Lions jersey as such for want of a better phrase, I think there's going to be a few players that are going to miss out on representing the Lions. Yeah. Because it is probably going to be just the three tests. Mm. Um, if it does go ahead, and 
you know, and it could be a strange Lions tour if it's based in England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. If it's based in, the, in say, the home nations, there's no real tour. There's no real touring party. Can you literally just change this the side week to week? I don't know. It's it's going to be strange. When is it due? When players is it, go home? When is it actually due to be uh, played? June. 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 To be confirmed. To be confirmed. Uh, yeah. Just three months to go. In terms, in terms of other lines, like, look, with the whole Irish thing, I think the result was great, phenomenal for us. We played the best rugby we've played probably in eighteen months or that. Um, like, I still think we're papering over a lot of the cracks in terms of. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. We don't really that, that, no nine and ten is a massive one. Like we, you're looking forward to a World Cup. And I know we've got the few competitions in between, but it's we, we haven't really got minutes into the legs of, of prospects, if you like. Yeah, look, and I understand that, but you can do a lot in international rugby with a competent fly half. And you can do a lot in rugby with a competent scrum half. You just can't do it with both. Um, so you're going to need to develop a posi- one of those positions pretty soon I think it's Casey at 9 probably is where I'm kind of that's where I think anyway the ten's going to be a bit of a debacle but you look at when the All Blacks broke their World Cup hoodoo it was Donald a fly half the mm. fourth choice All Blacks fly half I don't think he played again for the All Blacks like no I know he only played the final because of injuries and stuff like that but he's the man that got them over the hump yeah you can do a lot in international rugby with a competent fly half and all the other pieces around him working at a high level. So whether that's Jack Carty, whether that's whether it's Ross Bourne, like Ross Bourne is a competent fly half. He drives me mad, but he can do those competent things of just. Yeah. It, it, but that's a coaching element. It's it, is the coach strong enough to have him just do what he's supposed to do, as opposed to try to be something he's not. And then I suppose the other one of that is. is is Carberry who personally you, everyone would love to see him in I know that but personally I think that he's possibly uh, I don't know the, the mental strength to come back from that amount of injuries and that length of time out um, you'd have to see how he develops I suppose wouldn't you like like it, it's hard to see him how he gets minutes in an Irish shirt ahead of anyone else I think it'd be very unfair but look we just seem to be throwing anyone in there at the moment like Billy Butler but Burns think- I think I think <laughs> what you're gonna have to do is you're just gonna have to chat with him and you're gonna have to say, Look, the Irish jersey is off the table for the time being. Just focus on getting some consistency. Focus on starting every game at Munster, focus on I'm playing really well for Munster. And in six to eight months' time now it's a it's a rough time because we are still coming to the end of the domestic season. The Pro fourteen final is on on the weekend, believe it or not. Um, and then we'll have the Rainbow Cup if that goes ahead and the <laughs> Champions Cup so just focus on getting some game time and it might be a case that he comes into that Irish squad the latter half of 2022 the early half of 2023 and he could play himself in in the Six Nations prior to the World Cup because he's been in an Irish setup before he would have, in some capacity, worked with Andy Farrell, as far as I'm aware. Paul O'Connell will have all the connections in Munster to fully track him and work with him. So, 
Okay, yeah. so from I don't Irish, think he's going to be the star. From an Irish perspective, um, well, actually, two questions. Number one, who are your Irish players that make the bus for the Lions? And <sighs> as a back end of that, is James Ryan overrated? James Ryan is not overrated. Um, I just... Well, look, maybe he's slightly overrated, but to say he's overrated, he's still in the top two or three second rows in Europe. But he's not God's gift. So does he make the Lions? Yeah. His second row partnership will be James Ryan, Mario Otoje. Ty Byrne will make the, the Lions squad. Has to. Has to, has to, has to, has to. Any front row? Because he well, he can play anywhere in the back five. The best tight end, tight, tight head in the world is going to make it. Keen Healy's probably going to make it. And I would not be surprised if Porter makes it. Oh I think he's a very good tight tight head, and he's very mobile. So you're saying three? So I think, I think three at the front row. Yeah, not a hooker in sight. Kelleher would have made it if they'd played him. Herring is absolutely stonewall useless. In my personal opinion, the back row, I don't know if CJ Stan is going to make it. Ty Burns going to be there. Do you bring Flyer? Reese Van der Flyer, sorry. Um, you probably do, to be fair. Josh, I think if there's a 50 50 over Reece. someone, if there's a 50 50 or a tight call to be made in back row, they're going to take CJ just because of everything that's going no, with it. No, they're not. I think they they're will. not. Who's the Lions manager? Gatland. Yeah, if there's a 50 50 call, it's a Welshman. <laughs> John, Jonathan, Dave, Jonathan Davies will go because he's never let him down George Norton will go because he brought him as a 19 year old to Australia whatever he, whatever age he was half penny but he could play centre and he can play wing half penny could be a full could be the well Stuart Hogg has to be the full back yeah the half penny will go Dan Big will go I'd say he might bring in Webb might bring Webb back from International Wilderness Um yeah, like I think it's gonna be an awful lot. I think Toby Falatel will be the the number eight start. Yeah, Do you know, and and they are like, yeah, it's very hard to to pick Scottish players. Probably might bring Van der Merwe because you are playing South Africa, and you do need a big lump. So you might bring Van der Merwe. Um, Irish backs. Hamish Watson as well go. Irish backs. Murray's gonna go because it's not really a, a good Murray Se- sight. Murray, Murray Sexton. Murray Sexton, Henshaw, Wildcard, Hugo Keenan. No, he's absolutely abysmal in Six Nations. He's a great player, though, isn't he? Yeah, but he's not in form. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, yeah, but, and that's the other your side argument, of it. Your argument for bringing Ringrose is your argument to not bring a lot of the Saracens-based players. So, yeah. but I, you I can't how much of it ways. Is, how much of it is going to be based off the next two months? Like, like the final next weekend like Leinster Munster and then the European games that are coming up how much of it's going to be based on that as opposed to Six Nations I wonder because well, of the year that we've had I, like. I, I watched the France-Wales game on BBC I think yeah I think so and they Clive Warburton on and they asked him about when he picked that disastrous Lions squad in 2005 and he said he had that squad picked two years ago two years previous Two years, so he had that squad picked after the World Cup, right? In two thousand three, which obviously ain't won. But I wonder, was this squad picked in twenty nineteen? It's a, it's a probably a great year to actually pick the squad based on 
the previous World Cup for the simple fact that it's been so disrupted. And we look at what's going on. I keep going back to Saracens as well, to be fair. But I think Farrell's probably going to make the squad. But if he brings him, I don't, and I don't think he can bring him as his twelve. So I would envisage Farrell's going to be the starting Lions ten. I really would. Hmm. I I don't agree with it, but I'm I'm going off Gatlin's tendencies. It's strange, wow. isn't it? Young Clive uh, at the time, Young Clive, he got a director of football at Southampton job on the back That's of that. That's correct, actually. I remember that. Yeah, it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> it just got from, um, went from bad to worse. <laughs> kept going, yeah. I think, I think Gareth Thomas was captain for the final test, he was saying, and he was playing at centre. And Gareth Thomas played all the rugby fullback. Like. But look, anyway, um, I think we spend a lot on the Six Nations. Yeah going to be a lot of talk over the next few weeks about the Lions but it may or may not come to fruition we may not even have a Lions tour so who knows anyway gents a very disrupted domestic football weekend obviously we've had FA Cup Premier League and a bit closer to home we've had the return of the League of Ireland what are your thoughts take home points from domestic football at the weekend didn't watch any of it myself <laughs> As in League of Ireland. Oh, Didn't watch yeah, League of Ireland now, no. Yeah. They disappointed this way. Man United getting knocked out of the cup, obviously. Um, what else is on? Oh, Had the old, old old firm. Derby. Uh, yeah. Celtic didn't. Ended in a one-all draw. Didn't give Rangers a guard of honour and uh, ended in a one-all draw. Yeah. And there's still one more to come. Although, before the although the there was actually quite a notable moment before... <laughs> The Old Farm Derby. Scott Brown, of all men. Yes, that's to right. Yeah. Out to uh, Glenn Kamara. Gentleman from Ring. Yeah. So that that was good to see. Yeah. There is some things that are, are bigger than sport. Yeah. Than rivalry, and that's probably did, the most intense rivalry. What did you think of not giving the Guard of Honour? Were you in favour of, like, I, I guess, like, if it was anyone else, Celtic <laughs> probably would have done it. Like, are, yeah. are you trying to, like, are you trying to royal, royal the community, or are you trying, like, what would you have done well, in that situation? Uh, would you look? Would you like to see Liverpool do it forever? Well, it's not, I don't think question. it's about liking to see it. Like I think, I think. See, it, that's it. That's a strange one because Liverpool and Everton's the friendly derby, isn't it? Like they may not like to do it, but I think it would happen just because that I, the Mersey's our community is so tight knit. Whatever that's happened there over the years mm-hmm. and stuff. Like Celtic and Rangers is a completely different ball game, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. I I generally not a huge fan of a guard of honor. Did you, like, United gave City a guard of honor, didn't they? Uh, yeah, not a fan of it. Or I vice versa. Know. I feel I feel like the one of the Manchester clubs gave it. I could be wrong, but what did you think then? Would you do it or no? Like, uh, it's it's certainly cheeky. I mean, it's 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 more of a traditional thing, isn't it? Being like just showing your respect for the achievement that that team has yeah, made. But, the same people that will go mad about them not doing a guard of honor will go mad that there's Man City and Man United fans or Man, Man City and Man United players having a good time when they're away on English camp. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's the same people. Yeah, it's yeah. like, well, what do you want? Do you want a rivalry or do you want to finally acknowledge it's professional football and it's a job? Like, <laughs> yeah, but it's it. it's gas that it's the the team that. 
not the team that they've taken the, the league away from, but the team that they immediately play after it's officially confirmed. So, yeah, I probably disagree with Guard of Honours then in that case, because at the end of the season on your last day, you're going to get to lift the trophy and have a crack in time. Mm. Yeah, I think they've Do already you know? had a crack in time, I think, from the vi- some of the videos they've surfaced. But there um, are people who will say, you know, yeah, do like a guard of honor, but Jesus, no, I wouldn't give one for Rangers. But like that, yeah, they wouldn't mind if Hearts won the league or uh, Aberdeen. Hibs. They Hibs, yeah, they would probably, uh, they would probably give them a guard of honor, you know. Um, but did uh, if I remember, if I remember correctly, did Man City refuse to give Liverpool a guard of honor last season? Ooh. Can you remember? I think I think I remember reading Pep said that he no, did, wasn't did, that going to. I think they gave him the guard of honor, but they didn't clap. Wasn't it something like that in the That's, end? I just remember the pictures of Sterling looking at the ground. Yeah, something to that effect, actually. Yeah, yeah. That snake. <laughs> um, yeah. In, in other in the footballing world, Mourinho, who seemed on his last legs, probably on Saturday after the or well on Friday, so it was after the Thursday night Europa Lazarus. League, and then last night. You know, things change. Flips around again. I still think he's under pressure. Um, do he's you under think pressure, he's... but they can't. it's 34 million to get rid of him. I don't think they can, given the investments in that stadium. Mm. Given the investments they put in to have NFL Europe played in that stadium that won't likely go ahead for the next... Hasn't gone ahead for the last two years. Likely won't go ahead for the next two. Fair to say, he could be, could be out of that huge life and I think it was worth something like seven million to them a year. It's a it's a huge loss. Seven million. Yeah. Do you if if you're if you're a Levy, do you sell Kane, get your hundred and fifty million and get four or five players and similar to what they did with Bale and getting Lamella Lamella was would have been one of them players and who else? Son would there Son have been one of those? Remember they saw Bale got seven players in? Would you do a job like remember. that? It's it's a long time ago. Um, yeah, but you look at a lot of the stuff Spurs do, like like bringing Bale back. Mm. That was a terrible move. Yeah. I, I thought it was a terrible move at the time, and I'm an Arsenal fan, so I've been rooting for him to make a terrible decision. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, like what is Bale? Bale Bale is a is a he's Hatton Ben Arfa on steroids. <laughs> he's a terrible attitude. And that's what he is, or an Abdel Tarat on steroids. That's what he is. His attitude is terrible. Yeah, it's a it's a shame when that happens, thinking. isn't it? When just like ego takes over, and you know, all of a sudden it's fucking golf, Wales, Madrid. Do you know what I mean? And you're getting paid an absolute fortune. Like, there's a lot of them at Spurs, though, isn't there? Like, you look at the picture that was taken yesterday during the match, and you've got Joe Hart sitting on the steps and Deli Ali in flip flops. And Deli Ali's wearing Joe Hart's gloves. Like And Joe Hart Joe Hart with the worst uh, social media skills of all time. I don't know if you've oh, seen that. He tweeted the or he job sh- done. shared the job done <clears throat> of on a trina <laughs> to Zagreb. Great story about Zagreb. Their manager is that prison, prison for fraud. Company. That's correct. Yeah. 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 Oh stuff. So it's, yeah, there's a lot going on there. Opinion I don't know if either of you've seen uh, the Harry Kane penalty from from yes from No, no uh, I, I didn't actually yeah, see it yeah. now. Uh, so Cash has gone to kind of slide, slide block the ball from from Kane. I suppose he's thinking he's going to dink it into the box or what have you. Ball kind of gets away from Kane, but 
Kane runs in such a way that Cash is going to catch his legs. So he knows he's there. Now, for me, I suppose in commentary, Gary Neville has said it's cheap, it's cheeky. And me, if it's my player, or if it's me, I actually like what Kane's done. I don't... The past few weeks, I disagree. You know, Kane backing into people mm. that are jumping over and all this sort of stuff. He's going to injure someone. And he has had a few moments that you're like, if that was Salah, it'd be the opposite call. Or if it was, you know, Bruno or whoever. But in the scenario of yesterday, I actually think Cash has been really poor defensively and Kane's just utilised and taken the advantage. Like, he's taken the contact. If you take the contact, you're entitled to the penalty, it's, in it's, my opinion. It's 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 how the game has gone, isn't it, unfortunately? I mean, if like that's not a penalty in 2002. I think you know it is. I, mean? I, I, think, I think it is. No, I, I, think, I think... Well, look, maybe it's not a... Maybe it is a penalty, right? But I think the fan... Like, the casual watcher of football or the, the watcher of football doesn't... Isn't as irate anymore. As in, like... I can remember as like a young fella shouting at the TV going, there's no way it's a penalty if he's fit to take it afterwards. It's a dive. Like, do you know what I mean? I can remember going mad at stuff like that. But now it's very much like, well, the defender's an idiot. He, he, he like play, like you can't give them an opportunity to win a penalty. It's not, it's not, it is a penalty. It's he won a penalty now. If that makes sense, the way the kind of narratives has changed, it's, it's clever attack and play as opposed to a dive or being soft. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Like, if it was a dive, I'd absolutely, like, you're not having it. But he put himself in such a situation where he was going to take the contact. Like, I don't see the difference. Like, people do that with goalkeepers all the time, leave the trailing leg, and it's fine. But when we do it with a, but a, a fullback. But a, but a dive now is no contact whereas a dive previously was Going down it's easy. not enough to, it's not enough to knock yeah. you over yeah. and you still went down do you know mm. what I mean that's, what that's the way the narrative has changed and mm. look it's European influence and, and football fans have jef- definitely become more accepting of a quote unquote dive yeah um, Champions League fixtures right? which one are we looking forward to the glamour tie <laughs> I think yeah Bayern and PSG that are our glamour is, is it, glamour tie uh, well, if you want to be real about the glamour tie, it is most definitely Arsenal versus Slavia Prague, and you won't believe <laughs> that's the glamour tie I'm looking forward to. Slavia Prague, Prague, of course, have knocked out both Rangers and Leicester. So there's two um, high quality European. British scalps. British scalps. British sides, yeah. I know what I was going to say. Um, yeah, that'll be coming back up after the international window. Oh, don't get me started. <sighs> in just a quick second but just to run you through the ties which I'm sure you know City Dortmund Porto Chelsea that's a very intriguing fixture for me Munich PSG is the glamour tie Munich probably not as on form I know they're at the top of the Bundesliga probably not as on form as they were this time last year or during Operation Restart not this time last year I suppose Real Madrid Liverpool gotta say it's a favourable draw for Liverpool it's probably the best draw they could have got and then Europa League it's Granada, Man United, Arsenal, Slavia Praha, Ajax, Roma, and the the geniuses of GNK Dynamo, Zagreb, against the yellow submarine of Villarreal. That's round first round of the quarterfinals is when, gents? It's the April. sixth. The third and fourth, is it? And yeah. seventh. 
Six and seventh of April. Ah, uh, six and seventh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, international window, gents. It's coming. I have the bottle of red ready for Wednesday night. Yeah. For it. For a point against Serbia, <laughs> draw. Put a bet on that. Throw a tenner on it. I think you bet. It's I one of those things, though, isn't it? Like we're, off we've, with <laughs> yeah. that picture. we've we've been looking at our well, I suppose we've gone off our a little bit in terms of wanting to watch them, but we've um, haven't scored a goal. So Stephen has a morning game, and we haven't scored a goal. So uh, I'm looking at the next three fixtures: Serbia, um, Luxembourg, and Qatar, which is a friendly that we get three points for if we win. <laughs> um, How bizarre! And, <laughs> I'm just thinking, what like happens, we need. What happens if we lose, though? <laughs> this is what no one's. What happens if we get a nil all draw against Qatar? Like you just have to sack him on the spot. I don't care. It's gone. You're you're gone. If you, apparently, if you let Qatar, Qatar beat you, you actually get to go to the World Cup. But Qatar, um, Qatar could have a few, um, a few non, uh, <laughs> a few imports. Let's just say. Yeah, they probably have a good few go, project players at this point. They probably have a good to go few. by their athletics. Yeah, they probably have uh, a good few English or expat influence, I'd, I'd imagine. But um, it's, yeah, look, it's three games. I think if we're not, we need to be getting at least six points. Seven points, to be honest. If, if, I'd be asking questions yeah. if we if we didn't get the six. Seven points is probably really what's uh, acceptable. Do you know what? I, I actually, the more I think about it, seven points is a bit of a stretch. Because it, Serbia are a very strong side. To be, to be perfectly honest and if they lost I'm not going to hold it against Stephen Kenny does yeah, that make sense yeah, well, I'd love a draw but let's be and where is the where is that force is that in Dublin or do we have to go to Prague oh, it's 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 away anyway I think Prague Serbia is um, Serbia be... uh, Zagreb I was thinking Prague, <laughs> Prague is Croatia Zagreb, no? I don't know. If any listeners know the capital of Serbia, (laughs) (laughs) send your answers on a postcard. (laughs) Uh, Um, Yeah, look, decimated by injuries. Decimated by injuries. It's Belgrade, I'm pretty sure. Belgrade, yes. Yes, Um, It is. A squad decimated by injuries with two goalkeepers with a like. Yeah, look, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be edgier seat stuff, anyway. Course new, it new goalkeeping coach though I suppose isn't he? New goalkeeping coach on the books. Dean Kiley, um, and we've got now got um, David Ford in as a psychologist. Yeah. So uh, yeah. David Ford. Need their heads examined. David Ford's a psychologist. Yeah. He used to be an yes. Ireland goalkeeper, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he oh, did. Right. He did from from Galway, a pro Galway man. Um, Fair course, play to him. Yeah. Now we've apparently very very well renowned as well. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. But there's, there's a lot of, and again, it's a squad with a lot of problems. You look at Aaron Connolly going in, and I think Brighton have come out basically today and said, yeah, he wasn't in the squad last time. They came out initially saying it was because of broken ribs, but now they've gone, yeah, he broke COVID and he had a woman over. So, <laughs> um, a lot of that yeah. going on. Yeah, but look, bad. we wish the best to the, to the squad. We wish the best. Yeah, we do, yeah. Restore some pride, please. Yeah, I just wonder how many, I was to, I just wonder how many of them would be there if it wasn't a bargaining chip for the next contract. That's the, the question I keep asking myself. <laughs> but look, um, my- 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park We take a quick break and return after a quick word from our sponsors. Hi everyone, it's the Sasquatch here from the Posted Barstools podcast. This episode is produced in partnership with our friends, the Square Ball, located just off Marion Square. Doing it rough at this moment in time with the pandemic, so make sure to give them a follow on Instagram, give them a like, give them a share. And hopefully, someday soon, we'll all be able to get back in for barbecue, pints, and sport. Hello, and welcome back to the second half of episode 9, season 3 of the Busted Barstools podcast. Where we're going to bring you back our segment from last week, read all about it, with a deeper research from the doctor, potentially. Potentially, so, yeah. We'll see how my form is once I start talking. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so to revisit this, and apologies for my absence, it's the last couple of weeks. So, uh, as we all know, Sheffield United are like rooted to the bottom of the Premier League and looks likely they're going down with, what, nine games left to play? However, um, you would have read Chris Wilder actually left his role as manager uh, by mutual consent. Now, did he leave or was he pushed? You know, we all say mutual consent is, yeah, exactly. Did he leave or was he pushed? But, um, you know, I think most people would have been expecting him to, to get the sack or to leave. Because with football being like a results-based business and stuff, um, they probably thought it was inevitable. But, uh, yeah, he has gone. However, there were issues, uh, lack of investment in academy and their, uh, their training facilities. Uh, their recruitment and stuff like that. Uh, they have like a Middle Eastern owner who's not PSG or Man City money. He's only like worth 200 million quid or something like that. But um, yeah, they basically wanted to go bring the club in a different direction than what Chris Wilder wants to, to bring it in. But he was there for five years, took him over when they were like League One, like mid-table League One, brought him to the Championship Dropped out of Premier League, narrowly missed out. I think they missed out on a Europa League spot by like four points. They had an incredible season, like we've seen that, and then kind of faltered off after we came. Uh, after we came back, came back and COVID yeah, reason. it it you know it affected so many clubs and so many teams and so many different ways, I suppose. Um, but yeah, uh, a lot of people are saying it's it's a disgrace. Personally, I think it's a disgrace as well. Um, they're kind of uh, comparing it to uh, Neil Warnock in 2007. So when they got relegated, Warnock got the sack 
but the, all the players and fans are saying, no, we want to keep him. Like, this man can absolutely bring us back into the Premier League. And then they just, you know, had a, a, a bad I'm couple all, of years. I'm but always delighted. Always delighted to. Always delighted to see Warnock. To see Warnock, oh, no, yeah. Uh, I hope he I'm lives for. I hope he lives forever. I'm not there, a fan. At what point, though, right, I, I, I get the argument that, you know, he's come all the way up with them and stuff, but at what point do you cut the kind of the lovable rogue ties, like, uh, do you know what I mean? like there evidently there is only so far you can take a team I think with any manager where it be that Pep Guardiola or be that yeah know. yeah no that's that's true I mean look he, he absolutely loves management his, his boyhood club um, as well so it obviously stings that little bit harder do you know but I don't know I suppose I know I do say this often enough on the show it's a, it's a wait and see thing so you know Two, three years down the line, will Sheffield United be back in the Premier League? Uh, or will they have, you know, gone in the direction that Chris Wilder wanted to go in in the first place? But it uh, just reminds, like, it reminds me of, like, managers leaving and managers getting sacked that a lot of people felt was unfair. And then the club literally just goes in the completely opposite direction. Do so you remember uh, Chris Hewitt at Brighton? survived on like the second last day of the season there a couple of years ago and they sacked him and said thanks very much for everything you've done but we want to take the club in a different direction they haven't gone in that direction they were fighting relegation last season there it looks like they could be fighting relegation this season but they want to be like this top 10 or top half club as such as opposed to being like relegation battlers or going back down to the championship and back up to the premier league uh a season later but you know, I don't know I suppose it hasn't worked out for them right away we'll just again wait and see what happens there if that project actually does do as well as they wanted to um, and then I suppose the other one would be um, would be David Moyes at Man United staying nine months got a six year contract like we knew we weren't going to qualify for the Champions League at that time do you know I don't know I suppose they could have given him the, another season out of it to, to see how well he's won in any of the cups, or if he could take them higher than seven. Uh, Dave Moyes is a strange one. Yeah, a strange manager. You look at right now, um, managerial career with West Ham, mm. part one versus part two. Two, yeah, yeah. And I mean, look the, how well they're, they're doing. Maybe give him a chance this season. To sack Ole at the end of the season. Yeah, well, we'll see. If we win the Europa League, <laughs> he'll stay another day. You know. Um, but I mean, look, he, even even with Ali, like he's uh, what this would be his second full season, so two and a half seasons. I give yeah, like I'd I'd be happy to. I mean, like they're second in the league, they're in a Europa League court final. You know, I can't imagine him being under too much pressure at this point of the season or at the end of the season because I think you know United have made those mistakes and are beginning to learn from them like we want to do with Moisey and stuff so you know he brought in uh, Bruno he's probably looking to bring a couple of other players in so I'd say you know yeah, I, on, give him next season as well I was just gonna I was, I was just gonna say that I think the issue at United is like players a la Donny van de Beek don't seem to be his signings and yeah uh, Unless you fully hand over the reins, I don't think you've ever of your recruitment fully yeah. invest. You've ever fully invested in your manager, and I think if you're not fully invested in your manager, he's always only six to seven perfect results 
away from getting the boot. Yeah, that's, that's actually true. That's a good way of looking at it. I think Ole, as a Manchester United manager, is the one thing, amongst the people I know, that divides Manchester United fans the most. Because I know probably 50% Manchester United fans that are like, yeah, he's good, he's done well for us, but we don't want him. And then I know 50%, well, actually, it's probably more 70 in favour of getting rid of him and 30 or 40% that would that want to keep him. Do you reckon? Because, yeah, yeah. It, 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 look, I don't know what it is, but I, I'm not sure he's the long-term answer. Like, I think they missed out. Wait. I think United missed out big time Pochettino. I think that was a yeah. massive, massive mistake. Yeah, he certainly know Alex Ferguson, and that's like that. That's all that I've known up until the point where he uh, he, re- mm. he retired. Like so, do you know? Obviously, I I don't know. We'll again, we'll we'll wait and see. See how things go towards the end of the season with the Europa League, and then uh, see how well they get on the first half of next season. Coach, what's your your headline from the weekend or the the week? Yes, sir. So, um, yeah. So, I don't know if any of you guys are watching March Madness. Uh, so, essentially, for the for the listener, um, if you don't know what March Madness is, <clears throat> March Madness is effectively the top um, universe. <coughs> excuse me, the top universities in the states that have got to kind of the the latter stages of knockout competition um men's and women's they both go to one city effectively they use a couple of arenas and they play straight knockout from sas correct me if i'm wrong 64 teams i think they started at and put so, it down yeah, yeah. basketball um, as well just FYI, basketball FYI. apologies yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and obviously covid's uh hampered with that a little bit so similar to the nba bubble that was had last year the students are all living in hotel accommodation the floor to each college that type of thing um Obviously, these are active bubbles because they're leaving to the arena and they're coming back and they need to get their gym work in and, and so on. So they did create two, um, I suppose, two workout rooms or two gyms. Um, the men's got an event center with three courts and a huge workout, uh, high-performance weights room gym. Whereas the women, if I'm sure none of our listeners do, but Sedona Prince is one of the players um, in the women's um side of the competition she's playing for oregon and put her i suppose her twitter went viral um over the weekend with the image of the weights room for the women's section which contained all of one physiotherapy rehab table and one kind of rack of of weights a what would you call a, a yoga mat um and that was pretty much it in a very small room that was no more than maybe would it have been 10 by 10? But if, the rest of the, the room opened up. Have you seen the video? I haven't seen the video, no. No, so she the excuse given was there's a lack of space. And the way it's... There's kind of a carpet from the pictures, which is quite confusing. But the carpet ends. And there's a huge room. There's just... The carpet is for the weights, if that makes sense. If you actually see the video right, itself... Right, okay. Okay, yeah, I, I saw stills. But yeah, so for, fast forward 24 hours later after um, <coughs> Steph Curry and loads of notable celebrities and NBA players saying, you know, this isn't right, which it isn't. And they've got pretty much almost a mirror um, a mirror of what the men's uh, teams got. So I suppose, lads, what is your thoughts? Is, is what what Are we really living in the past here or is this an American thing or... 
because um, to be fair, in, in, in some given sports in the States, soccer for association football, we are seeing massive improvements. Like, you know, we, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, Sass, that ticket sales alone for USA women's soccer games were, you know, they're a sole seller, I suppose, and, and versus the men's. Like, my, my personal take, the answer's in what you've said, but I'll get to that in a second. First off, fair play to Dick's Sporting Goods for having the lorries loaded and ready to go. Um, go, Dick. An opportunity for them. Well, very, very well done. Um, <laughs> but I suppose it's wrong. And this is a very, I don't, know, I don't really feel comfortable saying this, but there was a lot of, say, social media influencers that jumped on the bandwagon with this and, and, and this is sexist, this is slavery and stuff. And unfortunately, you're the problem. Your reposting of this picture does not solve the solution. The solution is, if it don't make money, it don't make sense. And the reason that the women's facilities are so underfunded is people aren't watching the games. People aren't going to the games. I know you talked about the US women's um, national team getting more ticket sales, I think, than the men. And that's, but that's been the case for years and years and years and years. Unfortunately, women's sports, until we start taking it seriously, until we start televising it, a la the 20 by 20 um, program, sorry. And until women start taking women's sports seriously and start watching them, it's always going to be the case. Like, like I would suggest that women who enjoy watching sports still watch more male orientated sports than they do women's sports and i'd say that the percentage of people that watch women's sports are a higher concentration of males and i could be wrong there but i i think sharing a tweet on twitter does not solve the problem but what that the, some of those people that, that wear these influencers in america they should be sharing the tv schedule they should be yeah. sharing where to watch the game. Yeah. I suppose, <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen the new um, football club, well, it's a football club in the works, kind of powered by women and men, but mostly mostly a lot of powerful women. That will be going into the, the women's MLS, um, the actual title of their league, excuse me, which is really poor for this segment of the show. But um, <laughs> Angels FC, I think, is the working title. But all these people, and I think that's the way forward. Like, you start from the ground, make something, um, and I, I suppose it all came from uh, Natalie Porter and audio. you've probably seen a few of the images like there's four or five movie movie stars that have, have kind of put their back into it and from them not being able to get one of their daughters a jersey they went to, to watch the women's national team went into somewhere you know a la Dick Sports Good. said they went to 17 stores and couldn't get I can't remember where the player will say it was Alex Morgan but couldn't get an Alex Morgan jersey um, so they've started this kind of movement if you want to call it that and they're going to be in the league the year after this after next, and they'll play in the LA City, you know, Will Ferrell's team's ground, so they'll play out there. Yeah. So, which which all teams do? That's not unusual. Um, but yeah, I thought. And, and is it a good yeah, news story like, though over the weekend? The, the the March Madness with the women. It's good to be highlighting this <laughs> issue, but again, it comes back to it's like putting a plaster on a brush pipe. <laughs> like uh, unless like. And the thing with American sports coverage is all those women's games are televised. Mm-hmm. WNBA, it's all televised, but people aren't tuning in. So why are people not tuning in? How do we increase the the viewership? How do we increase the uptake? That's 
I suppose I'm just an idiot with a microphone. I don't know the potential solution. But that's the issue at hand here is that they're not being treated like this because they're women. <clears throat> they're being treated like this because the content doesn't make money. It is yeah. an entertainment industry. So like, like, for Which example... Is, but, but go on, go on. I was just going to say, like, look at a rugby union player's salary. Mm. Look at a Premier League player's salary. Look at an NFL player's salary. Mm. It's proportionate to the money that that competition is drawn in. The, I suppose the argument, though, for this, because of its NCAA, and you'll see the players wearing T-shirts over the weekend saying, you know, the NCAA does not own me, basically. So... There's a lot of issues with the NCAA. Yeah, so to, in, in to the listeners, these college teams are playing in front of, regularly, not pandemic, will be playing in front of probably 40,000, 60,000 people in an arena. Um, so the men's basketball teams do not get paid. The women's basketball teams do not get paid. So I suppose that's the flip side of the argument. Like these, they should be getting, we are, they are entertainers, you're dead, right? And they're entertaining the public for free. <laughs> you know, like they don't get, yeah. ent- well, they don't get well, any there, monetary there's been a few few rule changes and, and they are now, I think in the state of California only, NCAA athletes are able to monetize themselves so they can make money from sponsorship deals. It's kind of, it's starting to, to change and the the NCAA makes a phenomenal amount of money but unlike the GA in this country, they're not lambasted for getting there on the backs of amateur athletes. So... The, I suppose just to just to add on to that, the um, Barclays Women's Premier League signed a three-year deal today with Sky Sports. So it'll be really interesting to see the viewership for that over the next three seasons yeah, and yeah. how that goes. Um, is that different? Different indicator. to the Women's Super League? Do it? No, it is the Women's Super League. Apologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so Super they've League. taken the rights off BT Sport. <coughs> yeah, I think, and there's going to be a lot more fixtures. From reading into it, it seems like there's going to be a lot more fixtures shown. And when, I think I think when is BC that, only have two a week. When is that going to kick in? From this, from this coming this season, coming I believe. Season. Yeah, okay. yeah. Really yeah, quickly, that, go, sorry. No, no, fire away, fire away. Uh, really quickly, the other big story, I suppose, over the weekend is um, spectators from overseas are barred from the Tokyo Olympics. So I guess it's something that we saw coming. Um, a, a big thing now for all the ticket ranges and stuff like that is it seems as though what what's coming out anyway is so i suppose when you go to an olympics more times than not you're going to buy multiple events you don't go and buy a ticket to one event it's not really a, a done thing you're spending a week or two there um but people are saying that some of the percentages or fees involved when they bought the tickets will not be reimbursed so to make an example if your ticket is 18 euros and you have a two euro ticket fee you're not getting the fee back but you're getting your 18 euros back so that's going to be a big kind of argument over the coming weeks months it could well go on till after the olympics i'd imagine I, I don't know there's no figure as of yet about how much this may cost people or or may cost the olympic council or whatever but really interesting to see how that uh how that develops um but like people, just to give you an example here, Every and Brown, six-year-old photographer from Salt Lake City, spent eight thousand six hundred dollars on tickets. So, Jesus. um, yeah. Now, with, with Olympics, Olympics is funny. They say um, only twenty percent of the viewer or twenty percent of the spectators come from um, overseas, the country that it's not based in or overseas. Yeah. Now, that obviously differs year to year, but look, it, it's a one that remains to be seen. 
Yeah, it's a, it's it's going to be a bit of a mess, Tokyo. And I think it's going to be a bit of a mess because they've let it go on this long. Mm. And look, it's the situation we're in. I think I, I fluctuate week to week as to whether I think it's going to go ahead. It's, it's yeah, do feel a be a shame. Do, for do feel quite sorry for the athletes. Um, obviously, our our, <coughs> our role ones because you have so many guys who are of age. She would have been absolutely heartbroken that it was postponed last year because they wanted to retire as well. And if it is a case mm. of it not going ahead again, Jesus, it's fucking soul destroying enough for them so um hopefully it does and hopefully we can send a, a good team over to tokyo and win some medals the mad yeah. thing the most bizarre thing about the whole the whole situation is that's a lot of the athletes still haven't qualified and may have to travel to tokyo to tokyo yeah yeah that's to, true to actually, qualify, yeah. so you know it's it's a strange situation but yeah 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 and look covid was a great time for the the drug users so <laughs> i imagine the uh What's the uh, the term for Russian athletes now? Uh, Cheats. No, <laughs> not true. But <laughs> is it Nate? It's not nationless. There's a term for them. Oh, oh. Uh, nomads, or is it is it nomads or something like that? There's there's some term anyway. It's it's, it's like oh, it's, it's it really escapes me. But they'll lead the the medal count this year. Wait to see. <laughs> um, what was I going to say anyway? Um, so I suppose one of the key he- headlines I picked up this weekend, and it's. Jeez, it's probably not good after that NCAA headline because it's probably going to seem like we're absolutely destroying women at, at present. But it's not that I'm destroying that. I, I'll preface this by saying none of us here, either former or current members of the Buzz Barstool podcast, stand for any form of violence, be it physical or sexual. Um, Deshaun Watson, Houston Texans quarterback, at the time of recording, it's now up to 11 cases, apparently, of sexual misdemeanor and assault. And I hate the fact that this thought is not just in my mind, but is in what's been widely reported. So, the women in question all seem to be massage parlor employees of varying different ethnic background and uh, location, but generally the Houston catchment area. The issue that a lot of people have and the reason that this has been made is the truthfulness of the allegations has been questioned by not just ourselves but by mainstream media is the lawsuits were announced via an Instagram post via the lawyer in question, Busby, um, has seems to be a bit of a celebrity character, has won to be mayor of Houston, on obviously unsuccessful. In addition as you may be aware, Deshaun Watson has been pushing for a trade out of Houston. He's not happy with the conditions, is not happy with the direction of the organization, has lambasted as being an an ancient style organization. The GM of the Houston, no, sorry, the, the head of operations, so higher than a GM, the Houston Texans, his only prior experience in the NFL has been as the New England Patriots pastor. As in... Religious. Um, it's a bizarre situation. But why I bring that into it is it's now in the free agency period. There's clubs circling around Houston looking for John Watson. And the lawyer in question is a neighbour of Cal McNair, the owner of the Houston Texans. 
this story has the potential to get incredibly dangerous. Either it's true and he deserves to do the time and hopefully those women get some compensation and are able to live a normal life after all this. I really don't want to say that, but if this is a case of sullying a man's name for business operations, it gets darker still and it poses the question to society the next time someone speaks comes forward with allegations of sexual assault do we think then is this a money grab where we should never ask the question it's it's something i really hate so i suppose i just wanted to explain to me explain to me why the texans would sully his name would that be to to make him stay or so they want him to stay they want him to honor his contract he wants out he is now at the stage of refusing to play unless they trade him so by sullying his name and giving him with no options he has no option but to say and in that scenario you think he will play he would then play for them maybe potentially mm-hmm. or it's a big risk it's a it's a very big risk but it's it's how do I say, how do I say it without it's it doesn't feel like a conspiracy theory this it feels like this is the way that this has been an ongoing saga for the last year say well not since last year since the season ended it's uh it's dangerous um I just the whole aspect of the lawsuits being announced before they were filed on Instagram particularly Mm. says it's not very serious and then I think there was it's been denied but I think the agent of Deshaun Watson has said that there was a request for um, a lump sum of money for this not to go to court or not to go public that was redacted when he said no obviously so it's just a very strange situation I don't have a lot of answers you see, I kind of, even when I was explaining it to you, it's kind of, it's very up in the air. It's it's very hard to wrap your head around. It's a very difficult t- topic as well. So, I would just say keep an eye on that situation because it can explode in one of two ways. Um, Given the, the severity of A, the accusations and B, the counter accusations, if it is linked back to the club it could be could mean that they may be expelled from the NFL I don't know um, but look I would I would say keep an eye on that situation as it develops the second story I have obviously it's quite a personal one <laughs> um, a bit more light hearted than the, the one just touched on but obviously not Sunday just gone Sunday prior was the North London Derby now Bemiang was dropped um, the news broke as we watched a, a lacklustre Ireland-Scotland fixture Arsenal obviously were victorious Aubameyang didn't show up but the, as per the Athletic not only did Aubameyang arrive late he was the first man to leave he opted to leave prior to the cool down which takes place roughly 20 minutes after after full time the reason he was banned it was his third infraction I suppose you'd call it so he arrived later later than the agreed arrival time prior to that he missed a covid test prior to a europa league fixture 
in February and prior to that he had broke COVID regulations to get a tattoo as I suppose club captain and a 31 year old male it's incredibly poor selfish and inept behaviour I'm obviously happy to see Arteta do it as an Arsenal fan I, I, it seems to be an issue of culture and but I do think potentially just a year on from that contract Aubameyang's time with Arsenal could be limited if this proceeds poor again yesterday was subbed off um, get rid of him yeah I don't think he should have signed the, the extension to be fair how much did you get from how much did you get from a lot less than you would have got a year ago. ago and who would take him are you talking are you talking 30-40 million now at this point 20-30 I think is what you're talking and where does he go I mean China are Dortmund going to sell Haaland this summer oh well, there's there is a report on, on Twitter that a deal is done with City. A few there is a few rumors this morning that a deal is done with City. But um, the, if if you're to believe the rumors, Danny Ings will be probably Man City's captain next season. So <laughs> that's um, true too. Well, like I think either Mbappe or Haaland leave their clubs this summer. I think he'd work in France. I think he'd also mm-hmm. work in Italy. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, like. He would have been similar. Like, I did see something linking Ronaldo with a move back to Madrid. If that was to go ahead, Aubameyang would be a straight swap, you'd imagine, with two years in the tank, possibly. It, at that level, like that Italian kind of pace. Yeah. I, yeah, Juventus seem to kind of... They need, a, they need a great reset, and I'm not sure if Aubameyang is a great purchase for them, just where they are now. I think... They, they they seem poor and over the two legs against poor. Yeah, um, Haaland and I think Haaland and Mbappe could both leave. That's what I'm saying. So does he slot in at PSG? Mm. Does he slot in at Dortmund at a lower price bracket? And then they can also use the influx of cash they've got. Well, it's not really an issue for PSG. I'm more thinking Dortmund than this to buy one or two other players. Like it's not just Allen that could leave. It could be Julian Brandt that could be leaving Dortmund this summer for Porto to be believed as well. Dortmund doesn't seem like the type of club that would take Aubameyang in, um, because the way their wage scheme works and all that sort of stuff. Like, what would Aubameyang mm. be looking for? Crazy money, too much. Yeah, like a move to China could be on the cards. A move to China or the MLS. Oh, Kieran Gibbs, I see. Uh, pre-deal with Inter Miami. Just touch on Arsenal. Um, wow, um, that's a deal and a half for them. <laughs> it is he's given he's that uh, still serious, Brom, a serious he? squad there. What's that? Mm, he's still at West Brom, is he? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Present. Yeah. yeah so Arsenal fans would be happy to see the back of Aubameyang. Will be the general consensus then? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, probably. Um... Are Arsenal in a rebuilding situation here? Yeah, absolutely. It's a five-year plan to take him over been a five-year plan but when when did that five-year plan start when a terror started so they're already into it now 18 months less year year in january probably and at what point do you ask questions what questions do you want to ask <laughs> <laughs> what if i'm taking this personally what are your ninth tenth in the league 
Why, where where are they sitting now at the moment? Puppy tent. Yeah. So at what point do you turn and say, right, what <laughs> happens? Like where, like at the end of the season, obviously he gets the season. That's a given. I don't think you can. But like at what point do you have to go, is this the right man or is well, it? Well, I think we we we. You mentioned chat. changing the culture and stuff. We've a, we had a bit of a chat here, um, off air, earlier in the day about a different sport, and one of the topics raised is, it's about conjecture. The Arsenal that Arteta inherited was a mess, in terms of dead wood that he has to try and get get sold, and culture and wage structure, and it's been a mess. So, a lot of, even the team selection, a lot of those players. Are actually been played not for Arsenal to win. I think at present, I think that to, to, with a view to getting a move in the summer, like Willian, I guarantee you, the last five six weeks of the season would be brilliant because he's coming to the end of his contract, and Arsenal need to just recoup some money. I think that's my like. I think this year results almost a mulligan. I think you start judging them on next season. Interesting opinion. Interesting. Well, like you can see what he's doing with the youngsters, you can see what he's done with Zach. You can see what he's doing with Emil Smith Rowe. Can we hold on to Odegaard? Probably not. Thomas Partey is a good signing. You know there is some. The problem now is you're probably going to need to get rid of Lacazette and Aubameyang at the same time because of their ages. Um, would you, as an Arsenal fan, be interested in Danny Ings? Or are you no. looking for someone that can play every single game and every single minute of the season? Pretty much, yeah. Because we're going to have to get two of them. Yeah. Well, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't mind a Danny Ings, but I don't think Ateta's ever going to sign him because I think Ateta's fairly rigid in his beliefs around football. and like you, like, you look at times that it's so obvious Arsenal are can, like, absolutely committed to and um, breaking down the high press where they'll, they'll intercept the ball and instead of playing a quick ball to get them on the counter they'll actually just pass them among the backs let the opposition get their shape yeah. and then push forward and then they'll start playing the ball and it's like it's madness like but look that's that's what it is and I think we probably don't have the players for our te- <coughs> system at present which I think you build your system around your players as opposed to building your players around your system yeah but look no fan questions this week. Oh, <laughs> no fan questions, but there is, I suppose, a competition currently running for a 2020 sideline knit, courtesy of our friends USA Sports over on the Instagram. So, like, like the picture, tag two friends, follow them on Twitter, USA Sports, or send us in a fan question, and that's what three entries, as opposed to just your traditional one entry. So, multiple chances to win there, gents. Want to take us home, Doctor? Yeah, it's been real. Uh, it's great to be back. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to give us a, a follow on Instagram. Give us a listen when the pod is out. Um, as we go into an international break, just keep your heads up and mind yourself.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 